Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. What's up, guys? Welcome to the basement. Kyle Brandt's Basement. Great mood today. Incredible weather outside here in New York. And big news in the NFL world after months and months of infinite slideshows and radio discussions about hashtag Odell Beckham Jr. landing spots. He's not going back to the Rams. He's not going to the Jets. He's not going to the Bills. He's going to the Baltimore Ravens. And the most interesting thing about it by far is how it impacts Lamar Jackson. I love it and I hate it. I'll tell you why in both. And guess what? I have not watched the Succession episode from Sunday night. Haven't watched it. It's really the most dangerous game in today's society to not watch a doozy of a prestige television show episode. I hear it gets nuts. I haven't watched it. I'm sitting here out in the open, going about my day having not watched it spoiler-free. Have you watched it? I haven't. I like to just be risky out there, touch it, see if it burns. I've not been burned yet by anybody. No one's told me. Uh, Plus, we're doing takes on takes about some quarterbacks not named Lamar Jackson or Aaron Rodgers. We're letting our hair down today in the basement. We start with what I love, what I hate, and what is hilarious. I love that the Baltimore Ravens are trying everything. They're just going to go for it. What haven't we tried? We need to get this guy on our team moving forward. And I picture them sitting around in their little beautiful conference room there at the facility. And all the, the, the who's who is there of their front office and maybe their coaching staff and the ownership. And they've been doing this for pretty much close to two years. And they got a ball that they throw around. And you can't talk unless you have the ball. The idea ball. And they say, guys, anybody got anything new? Anything we can try? Any, any light bulbs out there that we can get Lamar Jackson signed and bring him in here? And somebody gets the ball and they say, you know, he's friends with Odell. Huh. He's friendly with Odell. What if we sign Odell? And then we can lure Lamar or convince him to re-sign with us or even just sign the one year, the big one, whatever. Maybe we use Odell to get to Lamar. And someone says, look, that's not the worst idea I've heard. But, you know, Lodell wants a lot of money. What, uh, who cares? What if we just pay him a completely irresponsible one-year $15 million guaranteed for a guy who's going to be 31 years old, hasn't played football in a year and a half, and is more known for his fame than his actual on-field production at this point? Should we just do it? You know what? Screw it. Let's do it. $15 million guaranteed. Guys, this might be the most reckless and irresponsible contract we've handed out in 20 years as an organization. We're usually really on our P's and Q's, but these are desperate times. Give Odell 15 million guaranteed. Call him right now and tell his agent, no, we're not joking, because they're not. They did it, and I think it's desperate time, and they're, they're in the trenches right now with this one. They have to get Lamar back. They cannot tell their fan base that he's either A, going away, getting traded, or C, not going to sign anything, not going to be trading, just going to sit out training camp and this thing's just going to go hell in a handbasket. We have to use something to get him here. And I don't blame him at all. I don't blame him at all. We're, we're getting towards the draft. We're a few weeks away. The Odell thing is, sir, it's, it's a splashy story because he's very famous and he made a one-handed catch against the Cowboys years ago and he's a kind of an NFL celebrity and he won a Super Bowl and he's a really talented guy. But the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth most interesting things about it are how it pertains to Lamar potentially coming back to the Ravens. And they tried the oldest trick in the book. They really did. This is an unapologetic little bribe. 
to get to Lamar. Sure, Odell is good and maybe he'll be an explosive player and sure, sure, sure. Can we use him to get Lamar? Will Lamar be enticed or even seduced to say, oh man, you brought Odell in? Well, I still am really serious about the money that I want to get from you guys and uh, you haven't got him up to my number, but it's just too tempting to sit back there and play with my guy who I'm friends with. Let's do it. Screw it. I fold, I blink, you guys win, tell me where I sign, let's go try to win a Super Bowl. I love that they did it. It's the old playbook of bribery, and it's a very parental thing here. If you believe there's a dynamic where Ravens ownership or front office is sort of the parental vibe here, and that they are really in charge, and they have the money, and Lamar is their child in some senses, and that he wants to be paid, and they have all the money, have you not done this a million times with your kids? where they won't do something, they won't do it, and you just really need them to do it, and it hurts your pride and it hurts your dignity as a parent, but you just unapologetically bribe them with candy, privileges, Disney World, toys, TV shows, everything under the sun you can, to just get them to do the thing. I feel like that's where we are. He won't listen, he won't sign, he won't, he, he won't hear, listen to anything we say, let's just buy him a very expensive toy. It's the name Odell Beckham Jr. Just get it for him. It's a PS5, it's a Nintendo Switch, it's a, one of those power wheels that the kids drive around, a little mechanized Jeep that costs like 1200 bucks. Just buy him Odell, and then maybe he'll come in, because damn it, we gotta get this guy in here. I relate, I really do. The money that they're giving Odell is amazing. I know it wasn't the greatest free agency class of wide receivers this year, but it's way more than any of them. And those are guys, your, your Alan Lazards, who were on the field producing, making plays last year, who have not had two major knee injuries, who are not going to be 31 this year. Odell's getting paid like a top 10 receiver in the league. It's amazing. And they just said, fine, bring him in here. We have to get Lamar back. And if we go get his guy, maybe he'll do it. I completely understand. Listen, you sometimes, those kids have you by the privates. You got nothing to do but sit there and just bribe and reach for the money, reach for the wallet, buy him ice cream, do whatever you want. I've told the story on this show. Last summer, summer 2022, my six-year-old was doing swim team for the first time ever. She was excited about it. She had the swim cap. She had the bathing suit. She was going up and down the lanes and practice and she could really do it well. That first swim meet comes out. Everybody in town is there. Parents, kids, everyone we know. There's balloons and clowns and her event comes up and she will not get up there to dive in the pool. She will not do it. There's eight lanes, seven lanes got the kid ready to jump in. Lane number five out of eight. Uh, can we get lane number five up there, please? That's my daughter. I run over there. She's freaking out. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm afraid, I'm afraid. I'm... And so I'm getting down there. And this is now, this is the, the Ravens talking to Lamar. Uh, you're thinking of everything. You can do it. We love you. I believe in you. I think you're going to be glad you did it. Remember, you did it just like in practice, and this is going to work out in the long term. And I'm thinking everything I could possibly tell to my daughter to get her on the block, including trying to physically force her to do it, and she had me in a death grip. You know what I finally said? I said, if you just do this, if you swim this one thing, when you get home, you can watch Netflix for three hours. She said, okay, I'll do it. It worked. It worked. She got right in. She dove. She swam great. I think she got a third, second place. She did great. Awesome. But she was terrified. I'm not proud that I did that. I don't even know if the Ravens are proud they signed Odell. But me saying to my kid, you can watch Netflix when you get home, the Netflix in this situation is Odell Beckham Jr. making 15 million guaranteed at his age with his injury history just to get Lamar there. Do you see it for any other way? Do you really think, 
well, let's pay Odell irresponsible money for one year so he can come with whoever else we can cough up if Lamar doesn't play. We gotta have the strongest roster possible. I don't. I think it is 100% a mechanism to get Lamar, and I don't even know it's gonna work. I don't blame the Ravens for trying. At this point, the gloves are off. Do whatever you want. Sign his friends, his family, to jobs. Give them, find who other players he likes in the league. Maybe there's some special teams guys. Maybe there's some practice squad guys he's just friends with. Maybe they're old Louisville guys or something down from Florida where he's from. Put him on the team. Put him on the team. You got to get this guy. I've said it before. It is a nightmare for the Baltimore Ravens if Lamar plays for another team ever. Nightmare. You cannot let it happen. And just remember, if this thing goes that way, and this is looked back upon about how do you let Lamar walk away? You really blew this. If people feel that way, there are five very powerful words in the world of PR and in the world of sports fan bases and catering to them. We did everything we could. We did everything we could. That is a very powerful soundbite with which to talk to the fan base, to check that box in PR and say, Listen, we did everything we could. We wanted Lamar back. This is a sad day for us. But financially, everything professionally, responsibly, we did everything we could, up to and including paying over the top for a guy that can be a weapon for him and a friend of his. And we brought him in and Lamar just wouldn't do it. We did everything we could. I like that they're doing everything we could. But let's get to the next topic. I don't know if it's going to work. This is what I hate. Let's make this perfectly clear. The Ravens paying 15 mil guaranteed for Odell Beckham Jr. is flashy and exciting and fun, but it is in no way some Baltimore Ravens mic drop about, we just closed Lamar. We're gonna get him now. Lamar has to come play with us. No, he doesn't. Not at all. And I hate this assumption and this take that I'm seeing that, oh man, that was the last stroke and Lamar will be signed by this afternoon. I don't know about that. I really don't. Is it really that enticing? Let's get into this for a second. First of all, the timeline. The news breaks. I see the tweets from the insiders. Oh my God, you know, Odell's been doing these tours. He's gonna become a Raven. It's big money, maybe way more than everybody expected. Then the images start coming out. First one, Lamar's FaceTiming with him. Lamar and Odell are FaceTiming. They screen cap, it looks really cool. Technically, they're, they're, they're about to be teammates, we think. Even though Lamar's just kind of out there, but there's Odell, and he's smiling. There's Lamar, he looks, I guess, sort of happy, but they're talking to each other. Never mind for a second that Lamar is on record as requesting a trade from the team that Odell just signed with. Seems like it's a pretty big issue. And then there's another one. Apparently, they went out because there's video of them at a club somewhere, and someone's holding up a sign that says, Welcome. Odell and Lamar, Lamar and Odell. And look at Lamar down in front in the white hat. Looks completely miserable. I know that feeling at a club. <laughs> Get me the hell out of here. I don't like it. I don't want to be here. Get those glow sticks out of my face. Odell looks like he's having fun. He looks like in a, a plume of smoke coming from somebody else. And then Lamar right down in front. So they're out together. They're FaceTiming each other. Lamar doesn't want to be on the team. He said, trade me. They just signed him. So is that all over now? Do you think that, well, here's what I can't get around. That Lamar has been battling, been dug in, just digging those heels into the soil at the bargaining table for two years. They will not give him what he wants. 
They won't give whatever number he wants or whatever arrangements he wants, which we still don't know, but we assume. And finally, the fact that they bring in a very famous guy that he's friends with that is on the backside of his career and is going to be 31 after two knee surgeries and hasn't had real meaningful game tape that he's put out there in like a year and a half. They brought him in, and now Lamar's like, all right, that's it. I just don't see it. Why? Why would he do that? And I would say to Lamar, don't take the bait. Don't do it. You are very principled. You are very steadfast in your stance in this, and you want what you want, and you obviously do not want to take what they're offering you. So don't fold just because they brought in a guy that you like who made some plays several years ago and maybe has game in him, maybe doesn't. Don't fold. I'll be disappointed if Lamar signs and we find out, yeah, he's going to be the sixth or seventh highest paid quarterback and they signed a long-term deal. And I'll be even more disappointed if Lamar signs the tender and is on the one-year deal. That's a terrible idea. If I was advising him, Lamar, you're not signing that. Why? So you can play with Odell? <laughs> who cares? It's not about playing with your friends. Playing with your friends is the very definition of something personal. This is the very definition of business. You sign the one-year deal, what happens in week three if you could tackle from behind and break your ankle? Or sprain your ankle? And then you gotta do this again? Yeah, you're gonna make 30-something million this year, but you're not gonna make 200 million. Then the next year it's gonna be, well, he's even more injury prone. He's a year older. We just can't trust him. There's all these other quarterbacks. Don't do that. If you want to sign the tender and play in the one year because you have your own convictions and you don't want to go through this anymore, fine. But please don't do it because Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be on your team now. Let's stop increasing and hyping the value on the football field that Odell brings. It's You would think if you woke up this morning that the Ravens signed Tyreek, Devontae, and Travis Kelsey to woo Lamar to come back. It's Odell. He's very famous. He won a Super Bowl and looked great in the game and he got hurt and that sucks and that's football, but he is an older receiver whose fame is definitely more than his game. Good player, sure, probably still has some snaps in him, but this is not some world-altering weapon that you're going to put out there who, oh my gosh, now that Lamar can really fly. I just don't see it that way. All due respect to Odell. He represents a lot of things nationally and globally and he's done incredible things for the game. How much game does he have left? You're going to let that dictate your career? I don't think in any way that Lamar should fold long-term, short-term anywhere and take less money, less assurance, less guarantee because he gets to play with Odell on a one-year deal. How does this pan out? Let's say Lamar does come back and plays with Odell. One season. Odell has 61 catches and they go 10-7, and seven, losing the wild card, and that's about it. And then he signs with another team. You came back for that? Not to mention, look, it is a running offense. They do feature the fullback often in the running game. Odell has had many times when he's wanted the ball, not felt comfortable. Hey, be careful of that too. Let's not pretend this is just not sort of a loaded bag here with Odell. He was going to be so happy in Cleveland because he had his best friend Jarvis Landry with him. And those are real best friends going back to college. I don't know how tight he and Lamar are, but that ended terribly. Terribly. They accomplished almost nothing, gets hurt. Odell is a very, very shiny neon light. He's a huge celebrity. He changed the game. But if this was any other player, if this was just a standard good receiver in the league, even better than good receiver, if this was DJ Moore, really good young receiver, if this was Chris Godwin, consistently productive receiver, it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah that might be interesting for Lamar. But it's Odell and it's like, eh, 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 this is not a drill. Odell! 
Drop everything you're doing, Lamar, and sign immediately because you guys are going to win Super Bowls together. Come on. I, I, I can't exaggerate the Odell impact on the football field. I can't. Showed up in LA and was really good and Cooper Cup was the show. Odell started making plays in a complimentary system with McVay running. It's just, it worked for a second and then he got hurt. Throwing in there in Baltimore, I just don't know. I don't know. And I hate the idea that anybody might think Lamar will now come back because Odell is there. And I hate even more that Lamar would think I should come back now because Odell is there. You've waited this long. You've been very principled. I don't know if I agree with your stance, but I really respect that you have it. Don't fold now that you got a 31-year-old wide receiver too who's going to come play with you and maybe catch 50 or 60 balls. Don't do it. Stay you, Lamar. Let's get to what is hilarious. I'm feeling frisky today because I'm playing the 2023 version of the most dangerous game. The most dangerous game is when you will leave the house, be on your phone, go to work, socialize as you might on a normal Monday without having seen a pivotal episode of a TV show that you have years of time in, years of, of hours and of, of months and weeks and time watching that show and you've got a relationship with that show and there's a big episode and you didn't watch it. I did not watch Succession last night on HBO. No big deal. I've watched the first two episodes, figured it's cruising along fine. It's Sunday night, I'm a little tired. I feel I'll just, I'll watch it Monday afternoon or Monday night. I wake up this morning, this is how this goes. You've probably done this too. You wake up this morning, text from your friends, oh my God, succession. Like, what, what happened? I get to work, Peter Schrager, who's way in the succession. I'm texting him on the way into work. Remember, this is 5.15 in the morning. And he goes, you didn't watch? Are you stupid? You better watch this by the time I see you. I'm like, Peter, I'm not going to watch it by the time I see you. I'm going to see you on set at 7 a.m. I got other stuff to do. You have to. No, I don't. Apparently, people think something crazy happened last night. You're watching this or listening to this right now, and you saw the Succession episode, and you're probably saying, dude, Kyle, you didn't see it? I didn't see it. And you know what? I like the excitement of not seeing it. It's hilarious. It's feel I feel like going out in public and I know something massive happened in this show that I have a close relationship with. I don't have any idea what it is. Nothing has been spoiled for me. All the tweets that I saw this morning were very tastefully done by people I follow. People tweeted something like, oh, all I can think about this morning is, is Succession. Or I saw all these emergency podcasts, Succession, episode three right now. So I know some bleep really hit the fan. But I don't know what. And I don't know what. And it's exciting. It's really exciting. And it's exciting in the sense that at any second, it could be completely blown for me. Someone could just text me irresponsibly. So what did you think of da 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 da? Or you're scrolling Twitter mindlessly and you see something that just completely has either a GIF or just some inconsiderate tweet. It, it could just be right there. I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of our guy Shady McCoy. Who, who saw the biggest movie of all time, Avengers Endgame, before the general public, and tweeted, RIP, my dog Tony Stark, and blew it for an entire planet of people, an actual planet, the planet Earth. Blew it. Inconsiderate tweet. I have not seen that one yet, but I like it. I like it. This is where we are right now in 2023. Gotta watch that episode, or it's gonna be blown for you. I actually am really enjoying my Monday, because I'm feeling like, even if I'm walking down the street, like I was in New York this morning, down the street, and I see someone looking at me, a stranger. It doesn't make any sense. Like They're gonna say something about succession. I know they are, I know they are. It reminds me at the very end of uh, Goodfellas 
when Henry Hill finally gets arrested for cocaine at the end of the long day with the helicopter and Karen comes to meet him and she's like, you got to get me out of here. They can whack me easier in here, maybe even easier. You know, he's, he thinks he's going to get whacked. And then there's a scene of him walking out of jail and Henry says, Karen finally got her mother to put the house up for my bail and I was out. I remember I had this feeling that I was going to get killed right outside the jail. That's how I feel right now. I feel like I'm going to walk outside. Right now it's the afternoon. I'm going to walk outside. I'm at my home. It's a front yard and there's going to be the mail carrier. And they're going to be like, hey, Kyle, here's your mail. Did you hear Shiv jumped off a bridge? That was crazy last night. Oh, there it goes, Shiv. Why would you do that, Shiv? No. I don't know what happens, obviously, but something crazy happened. And if it's something that crazy. So last I saw our heroes in succession, I finished episode two and there was a lot going on. Uh, Connor, I'm a con head. Connor might get dumped at the rehearsal dinner. She left. Logan tells his kids at a karaoke bar that they're not serious people and he tries to kiss up to them and they're not having it. And at the end, Roman meets up with daddy and decides he might end up joining him because he just can't break up from daddy. So I figure Succession's had some crazy stuff. My only guess is that something happened in the episode where either someone died or there was some crazy sexual thing or maybe just some massive, massive betrayal. But it had to be really big to get this kind of Richter scale going. I love not knowing. I've had, I got people right here on the staff, super producer Michael Flynn has seen the episode and will not blow it from me. I, at least I don't think he will. I'm going to watch it this afternoon and I have, after this, I'm going to go get a haircut at the barbershop. Now you might think that's the worst place to go if you're trying to be in hiding from someone who's spoiling something for you, but my barbershop is more talking about, I don't know, the Knicks and who's coming up on the schedule rather than prestige television. They're not talking about that kind of crap. So I think I'm going to be safe there and then I'll watch. But I'm almost disappointed when I'm going to watch because I like being out in the open. I like being exposed. I remember back in the Game of Thrones days, um, my wife and I usually watched it on Sunday night. But one night we just got busy. We're like, oh, we'll watch it tomorrow on Monday. And we started to go to bed. In fact, I think we were even like in bed going to sleep. And I got a text from two friends of mine. It was a group text. And they're like, dude, did you see the Game of Thrones? I was like, no, I'm going to watch it tomorrow. And they said, no, absolutely not. You cannot watch it tomorrow. It was the craziest episode of television ever. It was the Red Wedding episode if you know that one, which is really pretty crazy. And they're like, get up now, watch it. You cannot go to work tomorrow. And I said, all right, these are my best friends. I guess I'll go, I guess I'll go watch it. And I went down and I watched it and I was I'm glad that I did that because someone would have blown it for me. That's a pretty big twist. Maybe the most infamous TV show episode ever aired. So I'm feeling like something with this, but I haven't watched it. I'm enjoying not having watched it. I'm enjoying the mystery that at any minute, any second, Someone could text me, tweet me, or tap me on the shoulder, and it's just all over. You know, I, I again, I'll go more HBO. I feel like like Tony Soprano in the final scene of the final episode, sitting there eating those onion rings, and every time the door opens with the bell, he looks up, and he's just like, oh, oh, no, that's nobody, that's nobody. Oh, here's AJ, here's Carm. Paranoid, paranoid. So basically what I'm telling you, I feel like either Henry Hill or Tony Soprano, who both think they're going to be murdered in public, just because someone's going to come up and say, can you believe that Roman blah, 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 blah? So fun. It really is. I may even push it another day. <laughs> I don't care. I like this feeling. I may push it. Push it to Tuesday. Push it to Wednesday. Then you do that annoying thing where you're with people at work and you're like, I haven't watched. Nobody talk about it. And everybody hates that guy because that's what you want to do. You want to talk about those shows. You want to debrief and then they got to check themselves or wait till you leave. I'm the annoying one in that crowd for sure. Guys, no spoiler. I, I get 24 hours. Blah, 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 blah. That's me. I'm going to wait. 
I'm gonna wait till late tonight. I'm gonna go out in public and try to be around as people as much as possible. I can't wait. I'm actually gonna be disappointed when I watch. I'm gonna come down from that. But in the meantime, it's absolutely hilarious. I'm gonna watch Succession tonight. I'll have thoughts on it tomorrow. Let's get to takes on takes. All right, here's how this goes. You know, we've got two takes. I give my takes on the takes. I also give a score on the takes anywhere from an eight to a six to a nine to a zero. Two combatants, I will judge their takes based on delivery, creativity, and heat. Whoever gets the higher score wins today's competition. Takes on takes. Here we go. First up, a first time entrant. I like this. This is great. Carson Palmer, out of nowhere. I believe Carson and his family live in the mountains somewhere and they have this beautiful life with beautiful children. Carson shows up on a podcast, his brothers, Jordan Palmer, on the QB Room, that's the name of the podcast, and Carson had himself a take on the current Bengals quarterback, specifically when comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. Welcome to Takes on Takes. Carson Palmer, the floor is yours. I know Patrick is phenomenal. But, but I just think Joe's more consistent. He's more consistent. He's more accountable to run the system and the play that's called and not feel like, well, he didn't win last time and get open for me, so I'm going to do it with my feet. And then before you know it, you're soft for a four-yard loss because you tried to make two or three guys miss. Joe is just, he, they're, they're talk about not having a weakness, mentally strong, physically tough, accurate, can throw it far enough, fast enough gets the ball out quick and then he can actually do a lot with his legs he just rarely shows it and it's not i i think he's as athletic outside the pocket with you know and and can do a lot of the same things patrick mahomes has done he hasn't done it and showed it yet he's played more within his system and 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 style but i i think he's the best quarterback in the league First of all, how much do Carson and Jordan look alike? Just a slight more gray in Carson's beard. It's strange. They're not twins. But I just love out of nowhere, we're here on a sleepy little April and everyone's talking about Odell and Lamar. And Carson Palmer, who is not a provocateur in any sense or even a media fixture, comes in with a Joe Burrow is better than Patrick Mahomes take. Like the Kool-Aid man. Oh yeah, out of nowhere. All right, Carson, that's great. I love it. I love that you have a take. There's certainly some sort of uh, history, context, or maybe even bias that he was the Bengals quarterback and he's hyping the Bengals quarterback. But I'm just so impressed with it because we are just in this era of everyone is dumbfounded and speechless about any sort of criticism for Patrick Mahomes. To Patrick Mahomes' credit, he's just that good. He's that perfect of a player and that successful and seems like that good of a guy and a citizen and a teammate. And it's just, it's kind of Teflon. So that's boring. It's, it's certainly respectful, and I'm incredibly impressed with Mahomes, and great. It's boring. We're in the opinion market. We're in the conflict market. And there is no conflict about Mahomes, either about him as a person, a player, or even most impressively, about him compared to his peers. So I love that Carson says, eh, it's not you can make an argument that Burrow, Burrow might be someday. No, he's better right now. It's awesome. Now, I don't agree with it at all including not right now in their career, but even if you went back and looked at Joe Burrow started 49 games right now, including playoffs. If you look at Patrick Mahomes' 49 games, first 49 starts, including playoffs, it is head and shoulders better than Burrow. More productive, cleaner football, more explosive football, just everything, like every marker. 
including winning the Super Bowl. So I don't see it. He makes a good point that, yeah, Mahomes does all that. You know, he follow, he doesn't follow the plan and he had ad-libs. Sure. Isn't it awesome when he does it? Isn't it remarkably effective, Carson? I love it. I don't care. I'm not going to split hairs about this. I just love that someone in April in 2023 says, ah, Mahomes not even the best quarterback in the league. He might be the best of all time. He might be the best NFL player ever when this all is done. But no, actually, Joe Burrow is better than him. It's well delivered. The heat is there. The delivery is pretty good. There's no comedy or anything, but it's certainly creative. So I'm going to give Carson Palmer a nice eight. You wore jersey number nine. and not going to miss jersey number, but number eight for Carson Palmer saying that Joe Burrow currently right now in April of 2023 is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. It's great. I like it. I like it. Do I like it more than this one, though? Mike Greenberg. You know him from ESPN for decades. He is one of these media people who has the team that they are allegiant to or really at least enthusiastic about. That would be the New York Jets. Mike Greenberg reacts to Mike Tannenbaum's suggestion that the New York Jets should draft Tennessee Volunteers quarterback Hendon Hooker. Here you go. You're going to have Aaron Rodgers, and you're going to draft a quarterback in the first round. What could go wrong? <laughs> oh, yeah, everything. This is the worst idea I've ever heard of my He's life. Are you out mind. of your mind? <laughs> I, I, I want this man expelled, not only from this conversation, but from all football conversations that are ever oh to come. God. Aaron Rodgers is going to lose his mind if the Jets draft Hendon Hooker, and you are in for this. You've made your bed. Sleep in it. Aaron Rodgers is the essence of easily aggrieved. Oh, no, I'm not, I, can't even, I can't even sit like this. Are you, you want the Jets to take a quarterback in the first round now? We're just finally going to get Rodgers. You're going to piss him off before the whole thing even starts? D. Wood, he's I, gonna be the biggest per- He's going to be mad. He's going to be frustrated. This he's is not. a disaster. I'm going to fight Damian Woody no. now. There's going to be a fight. It's great. I am uh, barring you, excluding you from, from this conversation and anyone other. I've been there. My voice has done the same thing. I get it. It's passionate. You know who's the sneaky MVP of that? If you're just listening, you can't see it. But the director for Get Up, who said, you know, cut the camera, such and such. And they did the shot of Greenberg's coat on the floor <laughs> that he had thrown. I like that shot. That was, that was a very dramatic shot. And it was at Damian Woody's feet. And then you also, of course, you have... You have uh, the two guys, uh, McShay and Ryan Clark, who aren't even there. They're on remote, and they're enjoying it. That was a really good reaction. It's almost like that was a take within a take in that you could do the whole thing based on Mike Tannenbaum just saying the the Jets should draft Hennon Hooker. That alone had firepower for takes on takes. Because, you know, Greenberg's right. Welcome, Aaron. We're going to win a Super Bowl. But just before we do... Let's kick you in the groin one more time for old time's sake and draft a first round quarterback just as you get here, as opposed to somebody who could help you right now. That's really good. It was almost unfair for Carson Palmer because I feel like that was a combination take. The combination of Tannenbaum's heat saying that the Jets, as they are about to sign Aaron Rodgers and trade for him, should (laughs) draft maybe the fifth best quarterback in this year's draft, in the first round, that's a nine, and that's a win. The two of them ganged up on poor Carson Palmer on remote. Uh, Over the top, volume, jacket on the floor, crazy football take, perfect reaction, voice cracking, bemused spectators, nine 
for the tandem of Mike Greenberg and Mike Tannenbaum taking out Carson Palmer. Greenberg now goes to two and two uh, with a really impressive nine. We don't give out a lot of nines. They get the win. Guys, that was takes on takes. A very dramatic episode. Very dramatic. Uh, normally this is when we throw a dart, but a programming note I want to tell you guys about. Um, friends of mine and people that you love and have watched your whole life, new show. ESPN2 Tonight, ESPN2, Omaha Productions, NFL Films, new series. It's called On the Clock. Watch On the Clock at ESPN2 Tonight. Uh, our guys here at Omaha followed Bryce Young. They followed Hendon Hooker, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson throughout their final season of college ball. They had the foresight to go back, follow them, film them, do the whole thing. Archie Payton and Eli evaluated film. They mentored the quarterbacks throughout. This goes back a long time. A lot of really talented people have been working on this. In fact, we even have a sneak peek. This is On the Clock, featuring some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, featuring the next great quarterbacks in the league is ESPN Tonight. Here's a sneak peek of the episode. Look at this. He's been playing at this height for a while now. I mean, you figure it out. Drew Brees figured it out as good as anybody, right? You find throwing lanes. It would be different if he was 6'4 all through college and now all of a sudden he's only 5'10. How's he, he knows how to do it. Right? right, and that's the shotgun. Now you're already seven yards deep. You can find the windows and find the lanes and he's obviously done it at an extremely high level his whole career. Oh, what a throw! On the money to Brooks! So I'm not worried about the height at all. Yeah, and he's, he's so elusive. You know, he kind of almost baits these defenders. They think they have him. He moves. His eyes are downfield the whole time. I don't think that's a factor. On the clock, ESPN2 tonight. There it is. Um, it's just great. It's the two of them. If you want their perspective, their insight about these draft guys, listen, for the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear about Bryce Young nonstop and all the other guys with it, Levis at Al. Uh, follow ESPN2 tonight on the clock. It's incredible. I love even what they were saying right there. It's interesting that, that they're so dismissive that they could be worried about someone's height when both Eli and Peyton were the classic 6'5", 6'4". You think if anybody would be a little bit height snobs, it'd be them. But they're like, no, it's not. A lot more where that came from. I know the people who worked on it. They're great. Watch it. And then watch us again tomorrow. Time to throw a dart. Skycam, please. This is when I throw a dart. I get a random number on the dartboard, and there's a topic corresponding to it that I have not seen yet. My producers tell me if I hit a bullseye, which I've never done, the show can just end, and I have to do less work. But more likely, I have to do more work. Let's see what today's number is in a three, in a two, in a one. That's a two, a two. It's about four inches away from a bullseye, really not even close in the dartboard. Topic number two, I've not seen it. I'm gonna learn it right now. Topic number two is, are you a fan of destination weddings? Hmm. Yeah, uh, I am. I don't think I was a fan of them when I was in my 20s because it's more difficult and depending on the type of person you are, you might have a more difficult time with the budget and it's really expensive. But here's the thing with destination weddings. It's, it's also a built-in excuse that if your friend's friend, like a level tier three friend, says, yeah, we're getting married in Hawaii, or, it's pretty easy to say, I, I love you, man, I'll send a gift, I, we just can't make it, and, and they get it, and they get it, and they're kind of expecting that. So everyone gets so annoyed that you make them go out there. You don't want to go out there, if you don't want to spend the money, if you don't care that much about the friend, get your built-in excuse. In the meantime, if you do want to go, 
I've had amazing times at the destination weddings. I, I like them. I'm just a big wedding guy in general. I, I think it's tough to be at a wedding on a Saturday night. There's music, there's booze, there's food, there's friends. Like, what else are you gonna do? So um, I did not have a destination wedding, not really. I mean, it was close by to where we lived. We got married in San Diego and we lived in LA. So, I mean, it's a couple hour drive, but it wasn't like we were going to Tulum or something like that. I like them. I think they're life memories. Totally understand the financial burden, but I've been to some, been to one in Puerto Rico, went to one in Hawaii. Those are the, mem the weddings that I remember the most. I don't go to weddings anymore. My friends, if anything, they're on their second wedding. But uh, those, when I look back to the ones I went to, I don't think of the one that was just in town at the Hyatt. I think of the one you had to go to when you had the crazy pictures in front of mountains and oceans and stuff. So they can be obnoxious and pretentious, but you better believe I'm there. I like destination wedding. Guys, this is a destination place for you. Thank you for joining. Love you, miss you. Like, share, subscribe, tweet, post. Exit through the garage. We'll be back tomorrow. Close the door on your way out. Bye, guys.